Welcome to the Alcorn Orlando Sermon Podcast. We exist to help people grow in Christ, share the gospel, and serve the community. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Bible turned me to the book of Jonah. Uh, we've been in a sermon series called The Mysterious Mercy of God and Why It Matters. The Mysterious Mercy of God and Why It Matters. Uh, and so if you don't know, our life group study is also, it also coincides with uh, this Jonah sermon series that we, are, that we are studying through. And so I hope this has been beneficial for you guys. I hope it's opened your eyes to the book of Jonah. Um, and I hope it's just helping you to grow in your faith. Um, but today is going to get interesting. So we're going to preach from inside of SeaWorld today. Uh, from inside of SeaWorld. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to this. Jonah chapter 1, starting at verse 17. So we're going to read from chapter 1, verse 17, all the way through Jonah chapter 2, uh, verse 10. That's the way the story sets up because the scene changes in the story. Last time we checked on Jonah, Jonah was on a boat with some sailors, and they made the divine, divine decision to throw Jonah into the water. All right? And so that's where we left Jonah. We left Jonah jumping off the diving board. Amen? So we're going to read Jonah 1, verse 17 through chapter 2, verse 10. And here's what it says. The Lord, if you take notes, this is a part where you want to take notes. The Lord appointed, that word there is important, uh, appointed. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of a fish. Here's what Jonah had to say. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help from deep inside show. You you heard my voice. When you threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows, they swept over me. And I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. The water engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth gates shut behind me forever. And then something supernatural happened. Then you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord, remember the Lord appointed, bookend. The Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited. You might want to underline vomited. The fish vomited Jonah onto dry land. Let us pray. Lord, we just honor you today. We give you glory. We give you praise today because you deserve it. And so, Lord, I pray that you bless your people today. As we spend time in your word and we worship together, Lord, I pray that this is not just a one-man 
monologue, God, but that we get to participate in this together. And so help us, Lord. Help us to study. Help us to grow. Help us to learn together. Uh, Lord, open our hearts and minds to receive everything that you have to say for us. Lord, for someone in the room, I pray that this sermon changes the trajectory of their life. Lord, I pray that someone makes a decision to actually trust in you today. For those of us that are in the middle of a, a dark and difficult season with a lot of uncertainty, God, I pray that you give clarity. I pray you give hope. Lord, I pray that you will raise our lives from the pit on today. And so, Father, I pray for the person who has a heavy heart, who's burdened down, who doesn't know where they're going to where the next meal is coming from, how they're going to pay for this, how they're going to pay for that, how they're going to find a job, how they're going to get out of school, how they're going to move from where they are to where you're taking them. I pray, God, that you would do a work in our hearts. And so, Lord, we give you praise today for all that you're going to do in our lives. God, blow our minds today through your word. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you into our hearts today to do supernatural work. Grow us up today. Make us mature today. We pray this prayer in your son Jesus' name. And the people of God said amen. You may be seated in the Lord's presence. From the sermon series, The Mysterious Mercy of God and Why It Matters, my sermon title this morning is, God, get me out of here. God, get me out of here. Can I say it like I want to say it? God, get me up out of here. On June 21st, 2021, a gentleman by the name of Michael Packard a veteran lobster, lobster diver was doing his job. He, he went to work on that day, and when on his second dive of the day off the waters of Cape Cod in Massachusetts, he had a near-death experience. And what the Cape Cod Times News Journal calls something truly biblical happened. When Michael Packard went into the water for a dive, according to Packard, he was roughly 10 feet off of the bottom of the ocean's floor when suddenly what what he describes as a feeling hit him like a truck. Packard describes, is described as saying, all of a sudden as I was in the water, I felt this huge shove and the next thing I knew, it was completely black. Everything went dark. Well, lo and behold, it wasn't a truck that hit Michael Packard. That's right. You guessed it. It was a humpback shark that hit Michael. According to Packard, at some point, he realized that he was inside of the mouth of a whale. This is a true story. I said, oh, my God, I am in the mouth of a whale. Imagine that, a man having a conversation with himself inside the mouth of a whale. I was in his mouth, his closed mouth, for at least 30 to 40 seconds before the whale rose to the surface and spit me out. Now, now I, I hear you probably ready to pull up your Googles because you don't believe this actually happened. Now, many people who initially heard this story also thought it was a tall tale of the many men who said that they found themselves in the mouth of some sort of whale and was spit out. And then years later, it was revealed that it was all wise tales. But this is not that because this is an actual story. It had actual eyewitnesses. One of the crewmen that were out on the sea that they recall seeing all this action happening at the top of the water. But then a whale rose out of the water and flung a man out of the sea. As the seconds tick by from from Packard's vantage point inside of the whale, he says to himself, this 
is how you're going to die in the mouth of a whale. In his own words, he says he thought to himself, there's no way I'm going to get out of this. All I felt inside of this darkness was hard stuff. I thought to myself, there's no way I'm getting myself out of this. I'm done. I'm dead. All I could do was think of my wife and my two teenage boys. He said to himself these final words, it is a done deal. You see, Michael Packard is not the only person in history that found himself in the mouth of a fish. He's also not the only person in history to find himself in a dark place. He is actually not the only person that found himself in a place where he thought his life was a done deal and there was no way out. Our text today takes place inside of the sea in the mouth of a fish with another man who also thought his life was a done deal. And maybe you are here today and you feel like you are in a dark place and no, you may not be in the belly of the well, but you feel like you're in the belly of the pit of life and you find yourself in this situation and all you can say is this feels like it's a done deal. Well, I want to suggest to you today that the place you find yourself is not actually a done deal, but that the sovereign Lord is actually using the place you are to take you to the place that you exactly need to be. God is using wherever you are today to take you to where you need to be. Now, before we get to the story about this fish, because I can feel your skepticism. As rare and surprising as that story was about a man getting swallowed by a fish and living to tell about it, for a Christian who believes the Bible, this rare story shouldn't further validate the reality of Jonah's story and that it's some, not some biblical allegory or not some uh, tall tale or not something that we just teach children and, and children's church. No, th- this in actually confirms what Christians already know and believe about God. This is, and, and that is this, that he is a sovereign God that is the creator of all things. If you don't believe me, Moses has something to say. Let's look at Moses and what he has to say about the creation narrative. Genesis chapter 1, verses 20 through 21 says this. Then God said, let the waters swarm with fish and other life. God said let. That means God says make it do what it do. God literally spoke the thing that was not as though it were and it was. Right? He says let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. Notice verse 21. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water. Here's what I want to say to you today. If God created it, God can control it. And if God created it, God can reign over it. But since God did create it, God does control it. And since God did create it, God does reign over it. So this was not just any fish. This was God's fish. And Jonah's not just any old prophet. Jonah is God's prophet. You're not just some old child. You are God's child. And if God created it, God can rule over it. Verse 17 says, the Lord appointed a fish, meaning The sovereign Lord told a fish 
where to go and where to be. And so verse 17 tells us that this is all about the sovereignty of God. And so I want to let you know today, this is good. We need to know that God is sovereign. Why do I need to know that God is sovereign, Pastor? Because God is not confused by your decision making. God is not confused by your bad decisions. God is not acting like Macaulay Culkin and Home Alone when you make a bad decision. He's not slapping himself on the cheek. God is not caught off guard when you make a bad, bad mistake. God is not perplexed when life happens to you. He is not thrown off by what is happening in your life. God is not thrown off by where you are in life. God is not even shocked by Jonah's decision to rebel against him. But little did Jonah know, he thought he was about to go to his death. He asked the men, throw me in the water. Jonah had resigned himself to, to die, but the sovereign God had put Jonah in the right place at the right time. You ever be in the right place at the right time? Like you go to, you go to work on the day that they're giving out free food? You're like, I am, this, this is so divine. This is ordained by God because I was low on money. I did not, I wanted Chick-fil-A, but I knew it was going to push my budget to the limit. But lo and behold, I showed up today and they have Chick-fil-A. These nuggets are like manna from heaven for me. I'm at the right place at the right time, right, right, when good things happen to us and we can't explain it. You know what we say? We say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. What you're really saying is, we want to put some theological language around it. What you're really saying is God is sovereign. God is providential. God may not be there when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. We're, we're, we're saying God knows exactly where to be and when to be there. This is what we're saying. We're experiencing God's sovereignty. When something good happens and you can't explain it. No words can describe it. You want to tell somebody, but you even say to yourself, I tell them they won't believe me what happened to me. That is the sovereignty of God when that happens. But that's just not for the good. We, we can't just accredit the, the, the good stuff to God. God also sends the storms in our life at times. So, so God can't just be sovereign over the good. God has to be sovereign over all because if he's not sovereign over all, he's sovereign over nothing. So we have to grow and mature enough to become to, to the point where we can say, God, 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 thank you for this blessing. Thank you for this good thing that has happened to me. But we also have to be mature enough to say, God, I don't know how I got here. I don't know what's happening to me in this season. I don't know how I lack so much. I don't know what wrong decision I made. Or maybe I do know the wrong decision I made. And now I am in this place due to my own, due to my own decision making. But God, I thank you for where you have me. God, I thank you for where you have me. We have to recognize it's not just the sovereignty of God and the good. It's also the sovereignty of God when it's not good. And we have to get past after we ask, Lord, why? We start to ask God what? So you ask why, but the question you should really be asking is what? God, what are you doing right now? 
God, God what, are you tr- what are you trying to do in me in this season that I'm in? God, God what are you trying to teach me in this, this season of uncertainty? God, what are you trying to show me in this season where I don't know which way is up? God, what are you trying to show me in this season where it feels like my life is out of control? Lord, what are you trying to show me when all of these things are hanging in the balance? God, what are you trying to teach me? The answer to those questions, I can't answer specifically, but I can answer generally. The answer to that question is God is using whatever you're going through to make you look more like him. God is working a Christ-like character in your heart. So don't waste this season because God is sovereign. God is sovereign. And so here's the interesting thing. We can't even really be sure that Jonah knew exactly what happened to him when he got in the water. All, we, all he knows is that he was thrown in the water to die. You know, we read this story, we automatically assume that Jonah was immediately just snatched up by this fish. The way the story reads is, is not chronological. The way the story reads is actually, it reads like poetry. M- most scholars see this Jonah chapter 2 as a, as a sort of psalm because it parallels so many other psalms with the imagery that it uses. And so it's not necessarily in chronological order. And here's how I know this, because if we read from verse 2 all the way down to verse 6, Jonah describes what happens to him while he's in the water. He's very graphic and he's very descriptive. He says he's deep inside of Shoal, really the place of separation from God, the place of judgment, the place of abandonment. He says, I'm in the depths. I'm in the heart of the seas. The currents are overcoming me. Breakers and billows are sweeping over me. The water has engulfed me up to my neck. Watery depths have overcome me. Seaweeds are wrapped around my neck. You ever felt like life was choking you? This is what Jonah is feeling like. He, he, He can barely catch his breath. Now, I I put my cards on the tape. I, I don't know how to swim. Go ahead. Shake your head. But I have been in a pool and felt like I was drowning. And I don't know if you've ever felt like that before. But when you get in that water, you can panic. And water starts getting in your lungs. And your life flash right before your eyes. Whew. All you swimmers, don't judge us. He's just like, God, this, this, so I'm just going to die right here in the pool. Right here in six feet. Six feet, that's, that's how I'm going out, six feet. Six, God is people taller than this, and this is how I'm going to go out. In the kiddie pool, just, just dead in the kid. God, Lord, how am I going to die in a pool that I had to blow up? Some of us couldn't afford cement pools in the back. Some of us had to get a slip and slide, a super soaker. Anybody remember the super soaker? Come on. He said he sank to the foundations of the mountains. Then he says the earth gates shut behind me. What he said, I'm, I'm as good as Dead. It's a wrap for me. I'm in a place of suffering and darkness and separation from God. I'm, 
I'm out of it. It's over for me. I'm as good as dead. See, this is not just about physical death, but first and foremost, Jonah is separated from God because of his disobedience and his rebellion. This is what sin does. It separates us from God. Jonah says he's in the depth of show. It is the place of death because that's what sin does to us. Sin is cataclysmic. It, is, it has far-reaching implications. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. Last week, we kept looking at how Jonah kept descending down, descending down, descending down, because that's what sin does. It takes you down. Jonah is literally at rock bottom. He's at that sad and lonely place. He's by himself. It's scary. Jonah's in there not even longer than a week. But I'm sure it feels like an eternity. Have you ever looked back on a season years after it happened? And you say, oh, man, that wasn't that long. But while you were in it, it felt like you were in it for a decade. For some reason, the clock seems to go slower when we're suffering. He's literally at rock bottom. And maybe you find yourself there today. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been fighting to get out, but it just, it's just where you are. Maybe you, you, you are this close to giving up. Let me tell you something. Just when it seems like Jonah was about to die, and all hope was lost, God was getting ready to raise him up. God had already prepared Jonah's deliverance, and Jonah didn't even know it. He had already prepared a way out for Jonah. Jonah didn't even know it. What Jonah paid for took him to death, but what God was freely bringing to him was going to take him to life. That's a picture of the good news of the gospel. Our sin takes us towards death, but the free gift of God's salvation brings us to life. This is the story of the gospel. This is salvation in Christ Jesus. Our sin takes us to death, but God's free gift of salvation brings us life. And so when we look at this fish, the fish is not a means of punishment. The fish is actually, actually an instrument of the Lord's salvation. Who would ever thought God would use a fish to save somebody? The fish is a means of deliverance. The purpose of the fish is not to punish, but to save. The purpose of the fish is not to punish, but to save. Jonah is drowning and God is using this peculiar, unusual, unsuspecting instrument to deliver him to dry ground. And today you may feel like you've hit rock bottom. 
and on the way to rock bottom, or maybe you've been to rock bottom, but the truth is that the fish in Jonah's story reveals that God sent something into his life to keep him from going as low as he could have gone. As long as you are still breathing and God is still reigning, you are not as low as you actually could be. If you are a Christian and you are in a place right now that you don't want to be, the discomfort is not there to drown you, but to deliver you and bring you closer to Jesus. Let me say that again. If you are a follower of Christ and you are in a place right now that you don't want to be, the discomfort is not there to drown you, but to deliver you to, to be closer to Jesus. If you are not a follower of Jesus, you are, ground, you are drowning whether you feel like it or not. You're drowning whether you feel like it or not. God has something better than a fish, though, to keep you from drowning. He sent his son to a cross. Sometimes the hard places we land are actually God's salvation to us. The last place you want to be is not always the worst place you could be. Somebody needs to hear that today. You think you're in the worst place you could ever be. You think this is the worst season of your life. Maybe you feel like you got there by the, by the Lord's hand. You can't explain it. You didn't, really didn't do anything to get there. It wasn't a decision that you made. Some of us, it was a decision that we made. We got ourselves in predicaments, and now we can't get ourselves out of it. I want to tell you today, you are not as low as you could be. God is using the season that you're in and the place that you're in right now. He's using Using that peculiar, unsuspecting situation as a means to deliver you back to where you actually need to be. Sometimes suffering is God's love for us. The belly of a fish was an experience that God brought about to Jonah to show that he really didn't want what he thought he wanted. Remember, Jonah, Jonah was like, I don't, I'm not going to the Ninevites. I would rather die than do that. Then when he's about to die, he realized, oh, I don't, no, this is not what I wanted. Th this, is, this is not, I thought I wanted to jump in the casket. I don't really want to die. I, I, I really don't want to go. I don't, I, I don't want to go. You ever pray for something and you get it? And you're like, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, this car, it looked good on the lot. That pavement looked attainable. But after two months, I think I want to take this prayer back. Oh, I think I thought I wanted to be with him. Oh, my. I did not know. Eyes had not seen. Ears had not heard. It had even entered into my mind. The ratchet, I mean, the unrighteousness that was here with this situation. God was trying to show Jonah, you, you didn't really want what you was asking for. So here's what I'm going to do. Out of my mercy for you, I'm going to send something and use this as a vehicle to keep you from going as low as you possibly could go. I love the way Brian Loritz puts it in the sermon about Jonah. He said this. He said, the belly of a fish is a bad place to live, but a great place to learn. 
In his book, Rediscovering Jonah, Tim Keller said this about this. He says, it is only when you reach the very bottom, when everything falls apart, when all your schemes and resources are broken and exhausted, that you are finally open to learning how to completely depend on God. As is often said, you never realize that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. You must lose your life to find your life. And Jonah has essentially lost his life. He's as good as dead. But how many of you know we serve a God who specializes in resurrecting dead things? This is the good news of the gospel, that that God resurrects dead things. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This is the other reason that you can actually trust Jonah's story. Because Jesus did. Jonah's resurrection out of the grave, out of the the watery grave, points to a greater resurrection. Matthew 12, 40. Here's what Jesus said to the Pharisees one day. Here's what Jesus said. This is why you can trust Jonah's story. For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. Jonah's resurrection, Jonah's three days and three nights in the belly of a fish is real because Jesus says it was pointing to my resurrection. And if you don't believe Jesus' resurrection, then the gospel is not true either. Then our faith is in vain. But if Jesus really got out of that grave... Then Jonah got out of the mouth of that fish alive too. See, here's why it points to Jesus' resurrection. Jonah is crushed under the weight of the breakers and billows, but Jesus is buried under the breakers and billows of God's wrath. Jonah was buried in the belly of the fish. Jesus was buried in the grave. Jonah got himself into trouble. Jesus took on our trouble. Jonah almost died because of his sin. Jesus did die because of our sin. Jonah was never abandoned by God, but Jesus was abandoned so that we never would have to be. Here's what Paul said in Romans 6, 4 through 5, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. If you're a believer today, you have been raised with Christ Jesus. If you're not a believer today, you don't have a relationship with the Lord. I love you and I'm glad that you're here, but Jesus has come to resurrect your life. His resurrection is your resurrection. Colossians 1.13 says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. What are you trying to say, pastor? I'm trying to say that God specializes in resurrecting dead things, the most disastrous and regrettable situations, God can bring about a resurrection. There is no such thing as an undeliverable situation with God. God can literally, literally resurrect you from the lowest place. So I know you may think you're low today. You may think that you're in a place that you can't get yourself out of. Trust God. He specializes in resurrecting dead things. As long as you are alive, you haven't gone too far. 
God sometimes brings about setbacks to bring you right to where you need to be. Do you know that misfortune oftentimes leads us back to God? Heartbreak leads us back to God. Loss leads us back to God. Failure gets our hearts back aligned with God's heart. God often keeps us in a place long enough for us to come to the conclusion that obeying him is far better than doing things our own way. So Jonah had an opportunity to learn about the goodness and the mercy of God right there in a situation that he didn't want to be in. But he does something. For all Jonah's warts, Jonah is a very peculiar character. When I'm studying this, sometimes I just don't know what to do with Jonah. You know, you you have this thing in your mind, who you want to see when you get to heaven and you know, you know, I just see Jesus, and then I want to see my loved ones, and then I want to find out if UFOs are real or whatever. I think we're going to find that out pretty soon. But I want to find Jonah. I just want to ask him, man, what's up? I, I would say I want to have a therapy session with you, but there won't be a need for therapy in heaven. <laughs> we'll all be healed physically and emotionally. <laughs> but I want to talk to Jonah. I just want to know what was happening. Here's what we can take from Jonah. He learned one thing, that it's never too late to pray. In verse 4, he says, And I said, I've been banished from your sight. I'm as far gone as possibly could be. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. Here's what you need. Remember, week one, God called Jonah to go to Nineveh to the Assyrians to to, to preach the gospel, right? Jonah's like, I don't rock with them. I don't like them. They're our enemies. I'm not going there. I'll go anywhere but there. So what does he decide to do? He didn't have a conversation with God. He didn't consult anybody. He pays the fare for a boat to take him to Tarshish. He goes down to a place called Joppa, and then he wants to go to a place called Tarshish. We learned in week one that Tarshish and uh. Palestine, where Jonah was, are not close. It is as far as New York is from L.A. He goes in the opposite direction. At least he thought he went as far as he could go. What's even further than Tarshish was where he already was in his disobedience. And now he says, I'm turning to your holy temple. So from his lowest place, he's sending a prayer to the place that's farthest away from where he is. And he says, you heard my voice. You heard my voice. Meaning that no matter how far you think you are from God, God doesn't need a hearing aid. God doesn't need a bell tone. God has perfect hearing. So you can talk to him from right where you are. Even in Jonah's rebellion, God heard him. You know what it's like to think you messed up so bad that God doesn't want to hear anything you have to say. But what we see here is that no matter how low we get, we can always pray. It's always the perfect time to pray. It is always the perfect time to pray. Approaching God does not require perfect conditions. Let me say that again. Approaching God does not require perfect conditions. If a man can pray to God from the belly of a whale, surely you can pray from where you are. 
He was in there just enough time, a sufficient enough time to assess his situation and respond. We heard about Michael Packard. He says, I thought about my wife and my two boys in the darkness, in the mouth of a whale. And Jonah's in the mouth of a fish and he's pondering and praying. I'm just thinking, what else was in this, this fish's stomach with Jonah? What, was, what else was in there? Was some other fish in there? I'm saying, I'm, I'm assuming that this fish that swallowed Jonah had lunch at some point. But there's all kind of stuff, I'm sure, inside of Jonah, inside of this fish. Doesn't matter, though, Jonah was still praying. He didn't need perfect conditions. He didn't need an ideal situation. Some of you treat God like this. When I get finished doing this, then I will pray because I'm worthy of praying. Let me tell you something. On your best day, you're not worthy of praying and approaching God. The only reason people like you and I can approach God is because of Jesus. He is our mediator, right? We are united with him. We can approach God because of Jesus, not because our good works. I'm just trying to encourage you, no matter where you feel or how far from God you think you are, it's never too late to pray. And just while he's praying, God steps in. And Jonah says these profound words in verse 6. He says, then you raise my life from the pit, Lord my God. Here's what I noticed. Jonah didn't deserve to be saved. What God did for Jonah was undeserved, was unearned, was unmerited. The only thing that Jonah deserved was death. Jonah did not deserve deliverance, but that's what God gave him. This act of mercy should have got Jonah's attention. This should have said, oh, my God, how merciful is my God? God is so merciful. I didn't even ask for God to save me, and he did. This is what God's mercy is like. God's mercy is so good, it's not contingent upon anything that you can do. God's salvation is not contingent upon anything that we can do. We, we, we need to drink that down. We need to swallow that up. Here's why. Because oftentimes we revert back to thinking that God will love me when I'm worthy of his love. No, God doesn't love you because you're worthy. God loves you because God loves you. God loves you because of God, not because of you. You, you are accepted by God. You are loved by God. You, you are a son or a daughter. Your perfect behavior does not merit you any more than somebody who's lesser than you. So we have to see that God's mercy, does, you, you can't explain it. That's why it's mysterious. It doesn't make any sense. God loves people that we would never love. We would make horrible God's people. Can you imagine what heaven would look like if it was up to you and I? It'd be a lonely place. It would look like a country club. It would be super exclusive and the price would be very high. But that's not how God is. Here's what Jonah says, 7 through 9, as I get ready to wrap up. Here's what Jonah says. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer Let's just go slow through this prayer because I, I, I want to pause and just go slow. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord 
and my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I vow. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah's prayer is beautiful. It's a, it's a great prayer. Salvation does belong to the Lord. He is the only one that can save. But, but I have to be honest with you. I have to be honest with you. Jonah's prayer isn't what it, it's not what it seems. He says all the right things. Let, let me make it, let me, let me help you. You ever prayed one of those? I promise if you get me out of it this time, God, I'll never do it again prayers. Exhibit A. If you could get me out this time, I'll never do it again was a person. Are y'all with me? It's, it's, it's this prayer, this prayer right here. But what Jonah doesn't realize, he understands God's grace, but not really. What he doesn't realize is man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. God knows when you just want your suffering to end. God, I just want to get out of this this time. I'm not, we're not going to do that no more until you get us out this time. God, I'm never going back. I'm, ne- I'm not going to, that was dangerous. Woo, it was a near-death experience. We're not going there. We're not doing this again. We're not tra- taking that trip again. We're not going on that girl's trip again. We're not going on that guy's trip again. I'm not drinking that much again until you get me out of it this time. God, I'm never going to do this again. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to drive that fast anymore. God, if you just get me out of this ticket while the officer is pondering whatever he's pondering for 45 minutes while he has me here late for work. I promise once, if I get out of this ticket, I'll never speed again until I get on I-4 tomorrow. Jonah gives us an exhibition on how not to pray. A couple things. He says, I remembered. If we look at most prayers in the Old Testament, most of them don't say, I remember. They oftentimes say, God remembered. God remembered me, not I remember God. So the first thing we see about Jonah's prayer is it's self-centered. Then he says, those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. But as for me, I'll sacrifice you with a voice of thanksgiving. I'll fulfill what I vowed. You know what Jonah's doing right there? Who were the last people Jonah was with? The sailors. Remember the sailors when they woke him up? They were like everybody cry out to their own gods. Remember that? They, they did all this thing. Jonah doesn't know what happened after he got off the boat. He doesn't know that these men turned, that they sacrificed to the Lord his God. He doesn't know that because he's in the water. So he's being self-righteous and judging the people that he just left. He's hypocritical in his own prayer. He's hypocritical and self-righteous. Basically, what he's saying is, at least I ain't like them. At least I'm not. He got a little legalism in him. Look at him. I keep this. Look at them. I don't curse. They do. Look at them. At least I didn't do this. Look at your life. Jonah is self-righteous. Then he says, salvation belongs to the Lord. That is true. He's got the right words, but he's got the wrong heart. This is a false confession. Because if salvation belongs to the Lord, that means it don't belong to you. And if it doesn't belong to you, you give salvation to whoever God says give it to. So it's okay for you, Jonah, to receive God's salvation, but it's not okay for the people that he sent you to. 
See, we can't pick and choose who God can save. Either God can forgive you and forgive them, but God can't just forgive you. You don't own God's forgiveness and you don't own salvation. God determines who God will forgive and God determines who God will save. That's not your business. It's not your business. Look at them. No, look at you. Jonah has this false confession. He thought he and his own kind were the only people worthy of salvation. I want to say this, and I don't mean to be a lightning rod. I don't mean to be uh, a pol- I don't mean to be polarizing. Jonah only cares about Jonah and the Israelites. Jonah doesn't care about any other nation. Matter of fact, he hates the Ninevites. Jonah is racist. If you get to a point where you only care about people who look like you, you don't need to settle in that. That's a, that's a problem. That, 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 that is staunchly opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He didn't come to just save black people. He didn't come to just save white people. He didn't just come to save uh, Asian people or, or Latino people. He came to save every nation, every tribe, every tongue. So you don't have some ownership or exclusivity to the gospel. You, you don't. You're supposed to share it to whoever comes in your path. Who is my neighbor? Your neighbor is whoever you encounter. We have to understand this. Jo- Jonah only wants God on his terms for his people, but he should have known by his own ratchet life that God shows mercy to even those that don't deserve it. The last thing, verse 10. Remember, verse 17, the Lord appointed. We get to verse 10, and it says that the Lord commanded the fish. And what we see is at the beginning, God is sovereign. At the end, God is sovereign. God commanded the fish and the fish vomited Jonah onto dry, dry land. Here's what I want to show you. God delivered Jonah even though he gave a half-hearted prayer. How merciful is God that even when you don't really mean it, <sighs> even when you give your best performance for God, when you, get a, you give an Academy Award-winning performance of God, I'll never do it again. Here I am, your humble servant in need of your mercy. I will never again, God. I will serve you for the rest of my days. But you know there's something right down at the bottom of your heart that says you just give me another opportunity and I'm going to do it again. God knows that. And he still delivers if that doesn't make you stop in your tracks and turn around and fall on your face and worship, I don't know what will. When God can see through you and still show mercy to you. It doesn't, just because God delivers you though, doesn't mean that God is pleased with you. Jonah was delivered. He spit him up. On dry land. That's not what the text says. What does the text say he did? 
he vomited him on dry land. I don't know about you, but I don't like vomiting, and I don't want anybody to vomit on me. So the Bible is not mincing words here. He's vomiting him because he's disgusting. He vomits him out. He would have had all kinds of fish stuff on him. God did that to humble him. Let me put this mess on you. Yes, you're out, but there's vomit on you. He put him out on the depths of dry land. Here's what's interesting. If Jonah was out in the water and if the fish came through and got Jonah and he vomited him up on dry land, guess where he didn't vomit him at? Tarshish. The fish took Jonah right back to where he started. You know what that's called? A second chance. We serve a God who specializes in second chances. If God has forgiven you and you've received his forgiveness, wherever you've been disobedient in the past, God is saying, Here's your second chance. Do it again. That's mercy. The Bible tells us that his mercies are new every morning. God disciplines us and sometimes God will use our suffering to bring bring us, or should I say, drive us or transport us right back to where we should be. Two things that Jonah should have known about God. Number one, God is a merciful God and God desires to forgive rather than to punish. Jonah should have known that by his own life and therefore extended that mercy to the Ninevites. The second thing that Jonah should have known was God's mercy is missional. God was so intent on taking the message to the Gentiles that he was going to use a disobedient prophet to do so. This is a way to let us know that God does not easily give up on his plan, his purposes, or his people. If you're here today, God's mercy won't give up on you without a fight. Wherever you are today, you got a second chance. God's mercy says he wants better for you than you want for yourself. Be mesmerized by God's mercy and let it draw you in. God's mercy is sufficient for us. So if you're here today and and you don't know where you are, you're in darkness, so you just are curious and things are going on and swimming around in your life and you're not sure how the pieces are going to fit together, you're not sure if you should stay or if you should go, you're not sure how long it's going to take or how long you're going to be there, you're not sure what the future holds for you, just know this, God is merciful and God is sovereign. Stop asking why and start 
asking what? Because God is merciful. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If it was a blessing to you, please consider visiting our website, outpouringorlando.com, to connect with us and to also give financial support. If you are ever in the Orlando area, we would love to serve and worship with you. Have a wonderful week.